Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. Hey, this is Mac. Checking game cameras is one of the many pleasures I get from gamekeeping. OnX helps keep track of my camera locations to be sure I'm getting the information that I need to make the best decisions for the wildlife. Try it out for yourself and see. Use coupon code MOSSYOAK to save 20% on your OnX subscriptions. Know where you stand. Hi, I'm Jeff Foxworthy and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. All right, everybody, welcome back to West Point, Mississippi, home of Mossy Oak Brand Camo and the Gamekeeper Studio. And we got a little bit different lineup today. I'm looking at where Dudley usually sits, and uh, Dudley's not there. We have none other than Neil Hayes, though, right there, buddy. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to fill Dudley's shoes, but I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah, well, it's, it's different seeing yeah. you sitting right there. Don't ask me any uh, tree nerd questions. I'm not as good no as No carcass smirkus today. Yeah, <laughs> and, and at least we're six feet away, so I'm not within arm's length of being – you know, he can't strike me. I like to right keep Bobby past six feet yeah. at all times, even pre-COVID. Yannickum, this is going to be a good exchange today, I can tell. <laughs> well, I don't know. So, Lanny, I'm looking at you. You're still standing up. Still so standing. Your, your back is still bothering you? I'm about 40%. How long have you been standing up now? Mm, oh, over a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, if we have any chiropractors out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'd be good to get somebody. I do, I do. Look, I have to plug uh, Dr. David Allen over there. I know you probably heard him on Cuz's podcast, but he showed me a bunch of stretches 20 years ago that I live with uh, to this day. So I hadn't been doing them, so that's why I'm down. But. So, uh, so Lanny, I'm glad to see that you're okay. You don't look like you feel bad, so I'm not going to worry about you. And looking good. over here, like we, got, we got Mac. He was over there texting somewhere. And then Richie, I wanted to say this about Richie Davenport. You know, he we we learned a few weeks ago that he's been the uh, color guy for the Caledonia Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. They're undefeated since he started doing this. What? Undefeated. You need to come out to Hebron and help my Pee Wee team out. <laughs> <laughs> well, then congratulations on your undefeated season so far, and keep us posted on that. So, so look, have y'all seen uh, this week the? With blood on the biologic, there's been a bunch of critters. Killed. Yeah, man, season's getting cranked up. You got elk season now; both seasons cranking up. So there's uh, there's a little bit of blood everywhere. Yeah, but so the couple of things I wanted to point out, you know, Chris Paradise, who works for Mossy Oak, has a long time. Has a little girl named Ava Paradise, mm-hmm. and she killed a beautiful buck last week. And she had with a crossbow. She had. I'm told she had seen it several times and just like, Dad, that's the one I want to hunt. Yeah. Went four or five times, never saw the deer, and then everything worked out perfectly. And 
Yeah, from what I understand, Chris was hot off the trail from Graham's guide service, uh, chasing some bulls out there in New Mexico. As soon as he got home, his Ava said, "Hey, it, it's time to go hunt this deer," and they jumped right in the blind and got it done. So, yeah, hey, that's a pretty great story. It is. Did he kill a bull out there? Yeah, I think he killed a bull, and our the good doctor, uh, Doctor Ned Miller, killed a. I, I say this one of the biggest bulls we've ever killed out with Graham's, isn't it? Yeah, it was beautiful bull. It was like I don't know three fifty six or something, a giant. Wow. It is a big bull. It's a big bull. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then I think uh, our own Ben Mackey connected out there, too. Yep. So, it's real surprising to hear about Ben killing an elk. I know everybody's like, oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about Ben a few weeks ago. Yeah. I think we already, may have already mentioned that. He killed another one. Yeah, he killed another Is that right? <laughs> well, how about that? Well, you know, Sam Kohler, who I kind of lovingly refer to as Julia Childs because he's always <laughs> yeah. back there cooking and doing all this kind of stuff. He killed a mule deer. Yeah, out. Public lander. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the one he was shooting at, though. <laughs> I, I asked him, I said, is that the one you were shooting at? And he was like, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, and Taylor Jury killed a just an absolute giant with her bow last week, and that saw some really cool pictures of that. And then lastly, my daughter killed a deer Saturday on the board. morning with her bow. So That's I was, pretty cool. I'm working on guide of the year again. Was she at the Ponderosa? No, no, she was not. No blood at the Ponderosa. No, it's uh, was that her this, first bow kill? No, no, she killed one last year. Okay, they worked really hard. So yeah. she was she was at the other honey hole. She was, yeah. Oh, nice. It's the yeah. one you won't ever let me in. That is it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. So, okay, let's move off of that before that gets too too deep. Getting Ma- too many details. That's right. So, uh, Mac, I'm looking at you, and what product are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're going to talk about the Gamekeeper Collection at Duluth Pack. Oh, it's yeah. made to order. Uh, so, it's a... It's a really cool deal. I mean, the folks up there at Duluth, I mean, make a, a premium product. I mean, everything from your grab and go, uh, you know, luggage bag to a backpack, a, a camp house uh, duffel bag. I mean, a zippered round duffel. I mean, they've just got some really, really cool stuff. And with Christmas coming up, I think it'd be a great what time. What a great to gift for yeah. the gamekeeper in your life. Yes. The Duluth Pack makes some tough stuff. They've been around over 100 Legendary. years. Legendary. Yeah. No doubt about it. So if you can go to Duluth Pack and then they have a bunch of collections and this is the Gamekeeper collection. And there's a bunch of really nice stuff. Mac, I'm sure you'll probably uh, want some of that for Christmas. Absolutely. I was hoping you would get that for me, Bobby. Well, you know, there's always a chance. Right? And it's you in our favorite that. color, Bottomland. Hey, so everything's better in Bottomland. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, yeah, not gonna hold, I'm not going to hold my breath on Bobby getting me a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, go ahead and hold your breath, Neil. That would be good. So have you seen this collection, Neil? Uh, a little bit, yeah. It's I have. It's very neat. It, uh, I mean, Duluth makes incredible stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Everything they make is, is – there's a guy up there named Tom Sega, and he's an interesting guy. But mm-hmm. he, he runs that. He owns that. And he he's, his products are just – it's all about quality. Built to last. Yeah, that's right. Andy's got a podcast too, and it's it's a it's a good listen telling about the story about the leader the of the pack. Absolutely, is, what a neat name for a podcast, man! That's when, when he's in the pack building business. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Mac. That was really good. All right, so what today we've got a because it's going to be a lot of fun. We I'm looking across. We've got a young man named Brooks Tinsley in the house. There we go. <laughs> Wow, I, I wasn't expecting the sound effects. That was a neat touch. Yeah, well, so Brooks uh, is a is a son of West Point, okay. and uh, and he's the son of Greg Tinsley mm-hmm. specifically, who's been here at Mossy Oak a long time. We all love Greg, and uh, you kind of grew up playing baseball here. Went off played baseball at Mississippi State. Got all kind of 
But really, what what you're kind of known for in this part of the world is being a heck of a duck hunter and a duck caller. And I can I can attest to this because they live through the woods, not very far from me. And you I used to I used to go home at lunch, you know, and I would hear him out there. And I'd always want to say, boy, he needs to be just a little higher. Just a little, little higher. That's how far where it needs to be. Yeah. But have you won a bunch of contests, hadn't you? I did, yeah. Back in back in the day of uh, four time Mississippi State champion, won some regionals, blew in the uh World Duck Con Championship, I think five times. So yeah, it was it was a good time. Made a really a lot of really good relationships in the waterfowl world. For sure. I can tell you one thing about Brooks. When he decides to do something, he's going all in with it. That's yeah, exactly say, what I remember man, about that calling contest. When, when Brooks he was lit in – lit it up. Well, I was going to say, when Brooks was in college, uh, they I mean, they duck on like crazy people. But that's when he really started duck hunting uh, a lot on public land in the Mississippi Delta. But I remember one year, you broke your leg. And with a broken leg, how many days of the 60-day season you hunted like 40-something days with yeah, a broken leg? I, I tore my ACL. That's what it was. And – after my surgery, I was literally post-op two days. I was in a duck blind. Like, yeah. had people help me with crutches, get to where I needed to stand. And so, yeah. yeah. Die, die hard is, would be an understatement. Yeah, he is definitely <laughs> die hard. Anything he does, he does. Well, you know, that's fascinating. And the whole idea of uh, – Learning, you know, I can remember back in the day and learning you were really into duck calling. What, how did all that get started in your life? Kind of a weird deal. Uh, kind of on a whim. Really good duck hunting buddy of mine, Brett McCool. We were hunting, we didn't hunt without each other. And he was actually a better caller than I was at the time. Now I'd say I'm better than he is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll let him know. Not, not, to, yeah, not to yeah. throw down anything. Uh, he was really good. He taught me a lot about duck calling. And one summer I saw a deal uh, on Facebook that there was a duck calling contest in Paducah, Kentucky. And there was a an amateur calling contest and they were giving away like $3,000 for the winner. And you couldn't have ever won a calling contest of any sort to enter it. And I was like, Brett, here's our chance. We might just go me. That's right. try to see what 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 to do and literally watch YouTube videos for three days and got a routine together. And I went up there and finished third out of 64 in my first ever contest. So that's awesome. And the next day they had a a two man meat calling contest and me and Brett were the only two people that qualified for the final round that had never blown in a contest before. So, uh, we had some natural ability, but some luck involved too. Yeah, I can say though, you know, a lot of people in this calling contest are callers and not hunters. But this guy right here, when he said meat hunting, I mean, that's what he is too. He brings home the bacon. Yeah. <laughs> so that highball that y'all blow in the contest, though, yeah, that, that's nothing that you ever use hunting, is it? It's it's weird. So the first contest we went to was a meat calling contest, which is more like your style. It's like hunting style and. We had so much fun doing it. I was like, man, this I could get into this. I mean, it was exciting. I I compared it to having a 140-inch 10-point at 30 yards and trying to control your adrenaline and making that shot. So hmm. you're excited when you get up on stage, but you've just got to focus and control that adrenaline. And so I'm an adrenaline junkie, apparently. I'm just now finding this out. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was like, I could get into this. And so we started reaching out to some other people within the state, 
TJ Mallet, uh, Josh Raggio. They had done some calling contests in the past and got with them and learned what to do and started the whole true competition calling, which, like you said, is nothing like you do in the woods. But the duck call is a musical instrument, and that's what you're doing. You're playing the instrument, and you're getting it to do the highest end of its range all the way to the lowest end of its range and controlling it all the way through. So if you can do that, if you can do that high ball, you can run any duck call. If you put a duck call in front of me right now, I could pick it up and run it better than anybody else that is probably not in a contest calling deal. I don't know. Lane's pretty good now. <laughs> Lane, I mean, we're not, I've been calling Bobby's ducks for years. Lanny's, Lanny's been blowing a Primos winch since the first day he duck hunted to a Today, yes. I don't think he's ever blown anything different, and I will say that it is not the greatest sound ever. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Neil. I compliment <laughs> you back with you're not so good either, buddy. There's been a, there's been a lot of ducks hung up on a stringer that came came into a Primo's winch. That's mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, well, look. Yeah. So uh, let's kind of move along. But one of the things that uh, you got going on in your life is that. It's my understanding, and I'd love for you to. We'll all ask questions, but you tell the story. There's a you became frustrated with trying to find a place to hunt, and 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 you and some other guys have have bought an island. Is can you kind of walk us through what happened there and how that occurred? Yeah, a lot of people are like you bought an island. Like I didn't know you could buy an island. I was like, hell, I really didn't either, but we did. Uh, and it it started. So I've been a public land duck hunter for twenty years. Never owned a piece of ground that a duck used. Uh, so started out hunting in Mississippi. Uh, then ventured over into Arkansas when Mississippi public lands were kind of getting crowded. And the, the the amount of public land duck hunting in Arkansas is hard to comprehend. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the White River floods out, there's more public duck hunting on the White River corridor than the whole state of Mississippi duck hunting combined. So <clears throat> when those river systems in Arkansas get out of their banks – it creates a waterfowl mecca. It's, you know, Stuttgart is the, you know, duck and rice capital of the world. Well, that's a big part of the the river systems in the state. Just for thousands of years, that's where ducks went. You know, before there was rice fields, it was flooded hardwood bottoms. So we, on a whim, went over there in 2007 or eight and just struck out got in a boat and found a hole and shot ducks and never looked back and had a lot of success over there. But what led us to looking at our own place was Arkansas started limiting non-residents to uh, the number of days they could hunt. So a resident had a 60-day season. They have limited non-residents on their WMAs to three 10-day windows. So half half your season's you know, you know, gone. And if you're a big duck hunter, that's not an option. Has yeah. that been successful for Arkansas? Do you know, Lanny? I think it's been, it hadn't been implemented, but how long? Two, three years? Three years. Yeah, three years. Yeah. So I don't know if the it, data's it, come out on it yet. It's highly controversial. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So they did it, I guess, to, they were under the impression that non resident hunters were crowding the resource. And I will agree to with them to an extent when. The river systems are down, and all the water over there is pumped water. There isn't a whole lot of habitat, and everybody is on top of each other. But when those river systems get out, 
we we hunted a 10-day stretch where we were shooting eight and 10-man limits with nobody within earshot. I mean, that's how good it can be when the rivers get out. So when the when the water's a situation, yes, it is extremely crowded. So, you know, it's a solution. Is it the best solution? I'd argue no, it's not. But. Hmm. So that they've effectively cut in half the potential revenue that they could generate from out-of-state hunters. Well, <laughs> yeah. They, and all the local business, yeah, especially uh, the, the local ripple businesses. Effect you know, there's so many little towns mm-hmm. in Arkansas that rely on that revenue. I mean, it, you know, motels and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a big deal. And, you know, we were hunting probably 45 days a year over there and had a camp and we would branch out wherever the ducks were at. That's where we'd go. If we had to drive an hour to the south or 20 minutes to the north, we were going to hunt wherever the ducks would be. So, you know, like Neil said, yes, I mean, we were eating out at local diners every night and buying gas and going to sporting goods stores when he needed something. And uh, a lot of that, I would say, is 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 changed drastically. Yeah. Mm. So how did this whole island thing so, come about? We, they had been talking about them implementing this system for a couple of years prior to it happening. So, uh, me and a buddy of mine, Harrison Gregory, um, had said, "Hey, we need we need to go find our own deal. We need to find some land that we can, you know, manage to duck hunt on, you know, in case this does happen." And so, uh, we had looked at some places in Mississippi and some places in Arkansas, trying to find just the right spot. Most of most places, if they're marketed as a waterfowl mecca, there's an exorbitant amount of money being paid for those places, a place that is consistently year in and year out shooting a bunch of ducks. There's a huge value in that. Uh, it's become a big money deal. So we were kind of poor manning it in the fact that we were looking for a piece of property that was that could be developed into a waterfowl place. So uh, we had some parameters that we were looking for and stumbled up, uh, upon an island in the Mississippi River, uh, northwest of Dyersburg, Tennessee, um, that's technically in Missouri, uh, even though it's on the Tennessee side of the Mississippi River, the old river kind of wraps around it. Uh, so your tax bill comes from Missouri for show, and your hunting license comes from Missouri. Ah, I was wondering. <laughs> comes from Missouri, but we access it from the Tennessee side of the river. Gotcha. So Interesting. It's literally an island. You, you, there's some islands that can be ex- accessed. You know, if the water's down, you can drive to it. But this is, you got a boat to it, 365 days a year. So makes it even better. <laughs> It's uh, it's remote. It's a neat place. Uh, we went and looked at it in uh, February, I think, of 2018, and the guy that owned it before us was just a deer hunter. Didn't duck hunt at all. Uh, but the guys that he let kind of take care of the island would duck hunt on. So, uh, so from a gamekeeper's point of view, it was kind of a blank canvas. You know, you basically had you know everything to create. Yeah, Harrison says I had the vision, but I, he gives me a little too much credit there. I mean, he could see it too. It, it's in a really good area. Real Foot Lake is about eight miles to the northeast. And then there's another refuge, White Lakes, that's uh, about eight miles to the southeast. And between those two, 
you know, they winter upwards of 150,000 ducks a year. Uh, so you're sandwiched in, you know, a, a really good area with, uh, you know, given a place, you know, for ducks to rest. And then when you look on the map across the river into Missouri, it's nothing but rice fields, nothing but rice fields and hardly a tree. You can look on an aerial image and be like, well, they just, they just scout this right. hundred mile radius. Uh, so this is, you know, the first really timber that a duck would see coming from, from the West. So you're managing more for a resting hole than a, than a food hole or both? A little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's naturally, uh, after, you know, doing some research on it, after we went and looked at it, um, I'm a research freak. So I Googling and calling, calling random people. Hey, what do you know about this? (laughs) about this place, but they were like, man, year in and year out, when there's water there, they shoot a bunch of ducks. And it's mainly uh, what we've got. We've got about a 300-acre area uh, on the southeast corner of the island that's a bowl, a natural bowl uh, that will hold water if the river gets up into it. Uh, It's mainly uh, cottonwoods and big willow trees. Uh, And... The ducks really like it when there's water. Are, are there a lot? I've always heard that some of those islands don't have a lot of oak trees on them. There isn't an oak tree on this 1,200 acres. Not is that one. right? That is unusual. Not a single one. And you see that? Uh, <laughs> do you know why you hear so many places inside the levees of the Mississippi River that don't have oak trees? There's so many cottonwoods and pecans and all these other kind of types of trees. Do you know why that is? I, You know, I really don't know... Is it because of the flooding? Is it so Dud- if Dudley was here, Dudley we, could, yeah. we could probably ask, but it probably has something to do with you know the the island will, let's say every ten years get completely underwater, and so I don't know within the growing cycle if a you know oak sapling's two feet tall if it stays underwater for a month will it kill it as opposed to a cottonwood tree, uh, but maybe the sandy silty loam soil. Cottonwoods can grow faster and kind of withstand that. I'm, I'm really not sure. But but once you get outside the levees, um, there's oak trees everywhere, Oak right? trees all over yeah. the place. So, yeah. I, don't, I don't know the answer to that, but that is uh, very well, interesting. Oaks are spread by flooding, seasonal flooding, and then cottonwoods are windblown seeds. So Correct. Again, yeah. Dudley's the guy to answer this. But so And then when at the, as those windblown seeds get established quicker, then they outcompete the floodwaters or the oaks. But then the oaks spread out with the water, so outside the levees, it's a bit just burst. Interesting. Now, the oak trees would grow in there if they were to be established first, yeah. of course. So you would technically, if you wanted to establish oak trees, you would probably have to plant, you know, five-year-old or more, like old tree. You couldn't plant, plant uh, seedlings because right. they just get flooded. Because they're canopied out by all the yeah, But, I mean, and then the river gets up for three right. months. You right. Know, That's what we that. They can we, take seasonal flooding, but, you know, it is a matter of, of an age thing, too, if yeah. the roots get eroded and everything else. But Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. That would have been a great deadly question. Yeah. Yeah. Put that down, Mac. Um, so Brooks, uh, so tell us, so the island's basically blank. You know, you, there's a lot of stuff you can do to improve, uh, water control on the, you can yeah, plant food. That. Uh, you know, there's probably a lot that you can do to help habitat for turkeys and deer as well. Um, but and then the big project was building a camp on a remote island. Yeah. Like, to walk us through the struggles and how. I want to talk about the ducks more. <laughs> yeah. we, we can. Well, everything, on, everything's, <laughs> everything's hard on an island. You know, I mean, nothing happens quick and everything. Like like Neil said, we built a, a, a nice camp, elevated up off the ground to, 
you know, withstand a, a flood, but we had to, you know, bring literally every piece over there by hand. So uh, everything's just a little bit tougher. Uh, getting equipment over there is tough, you know, getting tractors and, you know, we just got a big excavator moved over there about a month ago. That's been a huge help. And So y'all um, use a barge to get that stuff across? Yeah, sure. Got to barge it. Yep. Had any close mishaps carrying the equipment across? We haven't lost any equipment yeah. on a barge. <laughs> yeah. We've lost some equipment, but nothing, nothing, oh, on nothing barge related. Uh, but there's been some moments that you little puckered up, like ah, oh, this, this could go. Have had knives in our hands, like we're gonna have to cut the straps because it's fixed to get real. This could go bad. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but uh, but you completely finished the camp, right? Yep, done Close with the down. camp. It's really nice. It's overlooking the Mississippi River. Um, it, the sunsets there just it's kind of an unfamiliar. Yeah. So we haven't mentioned, but the the name I guess y'all call it the island, but the Lost Break would be considered what, what you consider the duck yeah, land portion duck of the hole. island, right? So yeah. it was like a natural break uh, that has been kind of lost over the years with the the most recent owner. Uh, yeah. So it, yeah. it it allowed us at a price point to get a really nice chunk of ground that probably not probably. You know, after we're done with it, it's going to be to where we couldn't have afforded it if guys like us had bought it before sure, us and exactly. done what we were going to do. So, and you built most of the camp yourselves with just friends and people chipping in, right? Yeah, when when you've got a duck hole that you're consistently shooting ducks in, got a lot, a lot of buddies, of, a lot of people <laughs> want, to, <laughs> want to buddy up with you. But then you go a year without any water, and all of a sudden they, they quit answering their phone. Where are no, but yeah, it's it's you know the whole it's taking a village. It's taking a whole whole bunch of bunch of friends helping in checking yeah. out. And if you hadn't seen it, they have a, a digital series called Lost Break. Ed Wall, shout out Ed, uh, produces it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a great if you like duck hunting, uh, you definitely need to go and mostly go and check it out. It's a really cool series. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize Ed was pretty. I, I'm a big fan of Ed Wall. He's the man. He, he is just incredible. He uh he literally started with us, bought a camera to take pictures of his dog and he'd go hunting with us. And it, it, when I first met Ed, he had just kind of started duck hunting. So I, you know, he's seen me at some, the height of, they call me the hunt boss. Cause I'm pretty, pretty bossy, but he's seen me at the height of hunt boss. Uh, <laughs> Before you calm down. In your own no age. doubt. Uh, but I mean, he, uh, his photography is just out of this. World. It really is. It's, it's incredible. He, you know, he's good. He, his, his, uh, live duck <laughs> photography. I mean, the, I mean, how many pictures of live ducks with bands on their legs does he have now? I mean, it's outrageous. He's really stepped his game up here lately. And I mean, he'll, this past February, he was getting up at three in the morning and driving three hours to Louisiana to try to shoot a picture of a duck. I mean, he's that ate up. Committed. He loves, loves it. it. Mm-hmm. He loves it. And, and he took his photography into videography and turns out he's pretty good at that too. So, uh, well, he does a great job, and I mean, people love the show. So, no doubt. So, look, let, let's kind of circle around. Mm-hmm. Talk about uh, talk about the deer hunting on the island, mm-hmm. and I, what I want to try to pull from you is some things that you, maybe you guys have done or learned or saw that could help a guy listen to this that he could apply to his property that could help make his hunting better. No doubt, uh, the guy before us was really, uh, you know really strict on what he shot and didn't shoot as far as management goes. And I haven't asked him why he decided to sell the island, but I think 
maybe a little bit of frustration when you spend all this time managing and then you have a flood like we did uh, four years ago where the whole island stayed underwater for the better part of a month. So deer leave. They got, yeah, they got to, to go. Don't shoot a, deer a lot of them will come back, but I mean, when you do all this management and a flood like that will kill a bunch of deer. You know, they'll weather the storm and get real weak. And finally, when they decide I've got to go, can they make the swim to dry land? So uh, uh, the deer management is something that, you know, we've been lucky enough the past couple of years to not have those high spring floods. And uh, with the work we've done, opening up food plots and stuff like that, the, our deer and turkey numbers have just exploded. And the Mississippi River, I mean, it just, it, the the life it brings mm-hmm. when it it's the the nutrients in the soil are out of control and it's just it's it's like its own little ecosystem yeah i've seen their biologic food plots up there and they're i mean they're knee high everywhere you go i mean there's you know around here there's so many deer i mean every, you know our food plots looks like golf courses but his are all knee high lush biologic it looks great yeah everybody's like y'all throwing out fertilizer Man, there's some fertilizer in this. Alluvial (laughs) plain, bro. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And one other thing. So a few months ago, I saw a video. It was some guys on a boat on the Mississippi River. It was two longbeards, and they were swimming across the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. Just looked like two mallards swimming across the water. And they just, he followed them, and they swim, swim, swim. And they they get to the bank. They just hop out of the water and walk right up the bank. But I think, you know, nobody's ever seen a, a turkey swim before unless they had to or they were hurt or something. Um, but I think with all the flooding that they deal with, I think they've learned to acclimate to a flood, whereas you know our turkeys aren't used to that. But I think they probably swim around all the time because that's kind of their only option sometimes. Get, uh, get out you know, whatever way you can. So, like, do the turkeys just live in trees uh, when the flood happens, or do they fly off? Or I mean, they uh, – so most of your really high floods are going to be spring floods. And if if it does get up, they say – that those turkeys will live in the trees and eat the buds off the trees as they're, you know, starting, you know, uh, to grow a leaf that spring. But uh, if you've got a flood in February or March up there, it's still wintertime and there's nothing budding. And that the first year we had the island, that's what we experienced. And we had one little mound built up with our equipment on it, and there was a half dozen turkeys living on that little mound, flying from the tree to a mound that was 20 yards by 20 yards. That was the only dry land within two miles. So would they roost on top of the equipment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's pretty oh. neat. <laughs> <laughs> well, so <laughs> the spring, did, was, uh, how was the turkey hunt? It was good. So we, have, uh, we haven't turkey hunted it until this spring. Uh, we knew that those first couple of spring floods had really hurt the turkey numbers. Uh, and we were kind of letting them repopulate, but we've had two consecutive, you know, low water years, uh, as far as the river's concerned. And there are freaking turkeys everywhere. So, oh, that's good to hear. Uh, so you, you, you shot ash. your first turkey last year on the place, right? Yeah. Not your first turkey ever, obviously, yep. but your first, first one on the island. It was yeah. pretty special. So, uh, um, I mean, it's cool to, you know, never owning a piece of ground, you always just look, oh, it must be nice, you know, having all that private land. And it's <laughs> it's been a it's been a really fun deal, but hard work is an understatement. That's exactly for, right. for, 
So what do y'all have? A, I would assume it's kind of hard to keep an eye on the place when you're somewhere else making a living. And mm-hmm. obviously, you, there's a couple other guys in this with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But how do y'all keep poachers from navigating that river? Yeah, you know, you really can't. Uh, I guess putting the word out that hey, you know, we will prosecute somebody if 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 we find them, and we've befriended some some people from the area. The Kaisers uh, live in this area. They're the farmers. They let us keep stuff at their shop, and they kind of keep an eye on it. But we run the cellular trail cameras, and so that's the only way we can keep an eye on it. Um, so no pictures of Clay Davis up there yet? No. Not Clay. <laughs> no. Not Clay, but you got to watch him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a really interesting idea about mm-hmm. now, I, I think a lot of people listening to this would love to go in with their buddy and buy them a place you know so was, was there is there anything that you learned that you would do different or you wish you had done having a partner and doing this together how does yeah. how, how's that been I, I honestly get a lot of those phone calls like hey how did y'all how did y'all come about this place how do you find it what do I need to be looking for and I, to be honest I don't have a great answer except just think outside the box. And that's kind of what we did was not, you know, if you're looking for uh, an established piece of ground, you're going to pay an established Mm -hmm. price for it, you know? So looking for something a little more raw, we're lucky in that it didn't have any conservation easements of any kind or any WRP or CRP. And, uh, but that's something as a waterfowl hunter to look at your lower price point is going to be stuff that's in, enrolled in WRP uh, just because the previous owners got a bunch of money to enroll it and you can't do much with it except maybe look at flooding it. So uh, as far as, you know, deer, duck, turkeys, really whatever you're you know pursuing, your best value is going to be in something that's not developed for that, that game, but, and what you can do to enhance it. And so, you know, you know, reading gamekeepers stuff and watching what you guys do. I've got a lot of never managed my own ground, so get a lot of stuff, you know, from from reading, you know, articles that you guys put out and stuff like that. So can I ask a question? Yeah, I mean, y'all two no, just go no. firing away and I'm just right. sitting up well, here waiting can, to get my time. The, the, we can the tell your email because I can hear you touching the key. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> back to the ducks <laughs> is what we want to talk about today. So <clears throat> on that island, you know, I can imagine water Management is huge. You know, obviously we know water management is huge. Water control is huge for managing moist soil environments for waterfowl. So do you have existing water control structures in place uh, or do you just depend on the natural flooding of the river? So there's, there is a big uh, 48 inch control structure on a ditch on the south end of the island that you can close off and trap water mm-hmm. once the river gets up. And so that's, you know, how we've done it in the past and, year before last we'd been talking about you know the last key to making this a true you know year in year out waterfowl hot spot was going to be we've got to be able to put water in there right when when you need to when we when we need to right and so we uh those that have seen the lost break series saw our struggles last year with pumping water uh we had bought two 16 inch relifts that were run from a tractor PTO. Uh, long story short, it was a total epic disaster. <laughs> Fail. 
<laughs> I mean, it was uh, moving pumps back and forth. We had a discharge pipe come off the pump. The pump rolled over, kept pumping water. Gamekeeping, baby. It's a rough out, life. <laughs> ate out the bank from under the pump. Tractor flipped into the Mississippi River. Oh, whoa. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a epic, epic disaster. <laughs> but we've, uh, you know, we, we don't give up. Uh, Brooks we, is not one to quit. No, Never. We I got, understand that. Mine and Harrison's goal this whole time is we've got to be able to get guaranteed water. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's exactly why I asked the question. Yep. So we're going to be we are literally currently we've got about a third of it in right now, putting in like a semi permanent twenty four inch relift run off a three hundred horse power unit that will do twenty four thousand gallons a minute. I'm going Delta style up there. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> we're pumping water. Pumping water. So your control structure. Will let water out or let water in? It will do both. Uh, Just so depending on the river level? Depending on the river level. Mm-hmm. So we need a 24-foot river level to get free water. Mm-hmm. Like today, it's at 10. So 14-foot of lift. It's, it's a month away from duck season, so everybody's getting Somebody's antsy. Pumping. Everybody's getting antsy. <laughs> it's like, we get this pump in and, and let it let it eat. Cool. So, so uh, when are y'all... Uh, yeah, a week away, this, two weeks away. This weekend, we're going to be installing pretty much the rest of it and hoping to start pumping water by November 1st. So that that pump will put 80 acres a foot deep a day. So you're going to stage it up or will you flood it all at once? We'll probably flood about 100 acres mm-hmm. is the plan. So the, 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 the soil there is kind of like a silty, sandy loam. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of clay in spots, but we're losing water. Through the water, t- through the water table when the river's down. Mm-hmm. So the pump, we needed such a big pump to be able to keep up with some water loss. So well, that ground be saturated. Any moisture you do get after that will be accumulated yeah. in the well. So. so let me let me make sure I heard right. <laughs> you can put in twenty four hours. You can put a foot of water on eighty acres. Right? He's got a hell of a pump. That is a lot. Of, that's moving <laughs> that's, a lot. That's of water. Pump pumping uphill too, serious. right? Yeah, it's pumping about twenty five foot up the bank. Is yeah. it just a, a V8 motor? I mean, what's running it? Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a V8. Yeah. Yep. Oh, 350. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to hear it run. I bet so. <laughs> Let the big dog eat. Well, I mean, it's, you know, when you... when Does you, it have a muffler on it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you've got a piece of ground that you're, you know, wanting to duck hunt on and you don't have any water... And it's looking like November in a couple weeks. These ducks don't really like dry like, dry no. feeding in the willow trees. No. We tried that last year, <laughs> and it ain't like Canada. <laughs> yeah, duck hunters will do uh, desperate things to uh, to for water to yeah. duck. Yeah. Well, yeah. and yeah. you know, Bobby, back to your question about what what can you look for? Uh, water sources is a big deal. So luckily, we had. You've got the Mississippi River that we can relift water out of and not have to drill a 200-foot To put it in well, perspective, a drilled well, will, a 16-inch drilled well will only do about 3,000 gallons a minute. And it, it costs a lot of money to drill that well, too. Yeah, to even get the permit. So I'd need eight of those to get this amount of water, whereas I can relift this water with, with one pump and, mm-hmm. and do it a whole lot, lot quicker. So be looking, you know, if you're looking for waterfowl, uh, hunting opportunities with your land. Look for how could I get water? How could I flood this? Where could I put this levee to encompass to where I can flood the most amount of ground? You know I can. Makes sense. Waterfowl, water. Mm. And you know there's a lot of money 
to be made in developing waterfowl habitat. Jeff Farmer, White Oaks Duckwoods, probably the arguably the best place to shoot a mallard duck in the timber in the world. Uh, he developed that place. Now there was some water control structures in place and some levees, but he made that thing what it is. I mean, it's it's pretty serious. Yeah, I can't remember how many miles of uh, like ten foot levee or something like that, yeah. or how many miles of levee it was, but it was something outrageous. And there's another place just to the east of there, Straight Lakes. Uh, there, he's done doing the same thing. He's doing an. Edward went and rode with him a couple weeks ago, and all he wanted to do was show him off, show off his levees. Man, look at this levee here, and I got this levee here. Edward's like, man, we we did nothing but ride levees all day. <laughs> oh wow, that sounds like a lot of moving a lot of dirt, mm-hmm. moving a lot of dirt. Yeah, and you know, looking at ground and Harrison, uh, my partner on the island. He came from a dirt moving background, so he was, you know, he was my eyes. Like, yes, we can do this. We can do this if we want to get water here. This is we can do. We can make it happen. And so that's something you know, if if you're looking at you know pull the trigger on something, it's one thing to be like, oh, we can live, get this levee up right here, and we can pull this water. You really need to probably talk to somebody that's done it before. Somebody, my buddy with a bulldozer and an excavator and a trance. It's really good to have. <laughs> so are there pockets of sand up there that y'all have to watch out for? I don't think there would be. There, the, I think that's what, what we're encountering is we're losing some water through some sand veins. Uh, and, I mean, it's just sand. It's, it's crazy the amount of sediment that that river leaves. If it comes up for a day and goes back down, if you had a rope laying on the bank, that rope's going to be covered up in sand. Hmm. It's, I mean, it's, and that's something we're dealing with with this pump. Everybody's asking me, is it going to work? I was like, it's going to work for sure. But next year, what kind of sand are we going to be dealing with on that intake and stuff like that? It's just I was going to ask about the intake, but I didn't want to get too nerdy. I know. So, it's, is it are you going deep with it or digging a, uh, a no, hole so out to put it in? It's it's going out into the river itself uh, and literally pulling from the river channel. Yeah. So, um, I mean, how do you have it pulling in deep or is it floating on the water? You got to have some kind of filter on the end of it. It's setting kind of on the bottom. We kind of developed a platform for it to okay. kind of sit on. Yeah. And there's a big cage built around right. the intake, so it to doesn't stop some of the yeah stuff. debris yeah. and stuff from getting in there. But the impeller is crazy big, mm-hmm. and so that's what it is. That the PTO turns almost like a giant boat propeller inside of it, and it pushes the water. Whereas you've got a lot of pumps that will like suck water. You got to prime, and you've got to prime <clears throat> it, and it pulls it. This thing just pushes, and so it it's high high volume, low pressure is the way this pump's designed. Hmm, makes so. sense. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about uh, navigating the Mississippi River in a, in a duck boat. You know, mm-hmm. you hear every year, you hear stories about people uh, dying. You know, there is most most of the time is the case, um, just people not knowing what they're doing, or is it they have the wrong equipment? Are they using too small of a boat, not the right style of boat? So I've, I've uh, before... We bought the island. I'd only been on the Mississippi River one time, and it was with a gentleman from Clarksdale that had grown up his whole life um, on the Mississippi River, and he was going to take us duck hunting the next day. And we get up, and this is when I'm in college. We get up, and it's daylight, and I'm freaking out. Like, what are we doing? And the guy's name was Tom. I went in there, and I was like, Tom, we're not going hunting? It's like, yeah, I was going to go ahead and get it. He said, you don't want to be on this river at dark. He said, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. 
And we've kind of taken that same approach. If if we can get away from not being on it in the dark, that's what we do. So we try to stage it to where we're getting there at daylight and trying to get on and off at daylight. But uh, the, the south wind on a high river, extremely dangerous because you've got the wind fighting against the current and it can get downright scary. So you really just got to, you know, you can't you can't take it for granted. You know, if the conditions are bad, just don't go. The, the guys, there were some guys from Mississippi that passed last year. Uh, it was just a terrible day to be on the river, you know. And I mean, I'm I'm die hard, but ain't nothing. Ain't, ducks not worth dying for. So just you know, honoring the river, and uh, we we take a big pontoon boat to the island. Uh, we talked about safety and getting a bunch of people to the island. We've got a tritune that can't technically take on water. So a normal boat, if it gets swamped or water comes over the transom and you can sink a boat that way, this pontoon, unless I puncture a hole in it, technically can't sink. So when we were, you know, talking about taking people on and off, that we felt like the safest thing to do. So, uh, yeah. And y'all on the channel too, don't I would imagine when the river's up, we don't have to actually get in the main channel. But when the river's down, like it is right now, we put in on the Mississippi River. Gotcha. Yeah. So when it's foggy, you mm. don't need to be out there. Uh, so your your tips for safety would no fog, no south wind. Yeah, no south wind, no fog. Don't Try not to be there in the dark uh, and wear a life jacket. And a kill switch, that's another thing. That, kill like, switch is huge. You know, uh, I, I've never been in the Mississippi River out of a boat uh, in the current, but you don't really want to be out out of the boat in the current Mississippi River. And, you know, if you get thrown from the boat, you want your boat to be there close. So if, if worst case scenario, something happens, you've got to be wearing a kill switch. So it's easy to take that stuff for granted when you're hunting a place that's a local pond with no current and you're this far from the bank but that river's a mile wide in spots and if you're in the middle of it and it's 20 degrees outside and you fall in and you didn't have your kill switch on and no life jacket you're dead it's gonna be a closed casket <laughs> yeah mm. Mm. Well, what do we need to ask him that we hadn't asked yet? <laughs> Mac, I'm, I'm looking at you. You're not texting for once when I glanced over there at you, but you always have a question about waterfowl. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's a really cool thing about how getting together with your buddy and, and doing this and, you know, having a goal from, from growing up hunting on public land. I mean, it's just something all of us here have done and, and kind of shoot to do the same thing. When when you walked foot on that island, were you like, all right, this is it? Or, I mean, did you sleep on it? Or did you know right when you were there? Or, or kind of, how, how was that process? Uh, there was not, it, the water, that water was just getting onto the island the February we were there. It was a dry winter, uh, so it was just getting water. And we walked into a, the main duck hole spot and you know, 30 mallards got on there and it was dry ground the day before. So I was like, this is a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> I like what I'm seeing here. This is a good this sign. Can work with this. Uh, but I mean, it's just a real pretty spot. Uh, and it really was, I was like, man, if I told Harrison, if we can get water on this place, it's going to be special. And he looked at me and said, we'll get water on here. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> he's not a liar yet, but we're closing in on that. So I mean, it's, it's, 
it's uh it's been fun man it's been a really good time and having edward document it all has been really special and uh we didn't have much water last year and didn't kill any ducks but everybody that came can attest it's just a really fun place to get away mm -hmm. and there's just there's not many places like it it looked like it was a lot of fun when y'all were making all that, uh, hauling all that mortar mix and concrete. Mm. That looked like a lot of fun. 650 bags of quick creek. Mm, nice. When you're trying to pour concrete and you can't get a concrete truck to your to your spot, you just got to do, do what it takes. A lot of bags. A lot of bags. <laughs> How many bags was that? Do you remember? 650 bags. I think we did the math. It was like 54,000 pounds of quick creep by hand. And that, that makes that 300 pounds of fertilizer per acre for your food plot not sound too bad. Mm -hmm. I don't think your back could have stood up to all that. Uh, not right now. So yeah. so your other partner in crime on this, uh, if you're from West Point, you know who he is. And if you're familiar with the Lost Break uh, show, you know who he is, is Big Murray. Do you ever, does, does he just work when Ed starts turning <laughs> the camera on or do you get a lot of work out of Murray? Big Murr, he, he's something else now. We He's been duck hunting with me for, I guess, I kind of took him under my wing about 10 years ago. He was new to duck hunting and took him over to Arkansas. And he's just one of those guys. He's always willing to help. And he's been some of a gun. He, he, he can come in handy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he, uh, we've actually, Big Murr has been banned from uh, machinery on the island <laughs> did he have anything to do with the tractor going into yeah, the river yeah not he all right so the funny story <laughs> about that so he had buried the excavator twice the second time we didn't think we were going to get it out it's on this show it was an ordeal he burned up a generator brand new generator brand new diesel generator and he's broke some other stuff too when <laughs> when, 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 the, when that tractor went in the water his text message to our group said, I'm so glad I wasn't involved. In <laughs> <laughs> he's a, uh, he's on thin ice for sure, but no, he's, he's awesome. And he's, he's kind of our color guy. He's, he's always a good time. And, uh, uh, he, he's a good duck hunter too. Yeah. But uh, Mike, you're raising your hand. What, what's, what's going on? I've got one more, one more question for Brooks. Uh, so a lot of people are familiar with, trying to get into an area that's hard to get into and, and have a goal in mind, whether it be, you know, planting a food plot that's deep in the woods that you can't get a tractor to, or, you know, planting some God's choice in a duck's clue. What advice do you have for people that are up against a task that either hadn't been done or they don't know how to do it? Well, uh, Harrison calls me the most optimistic person he knows because I'm like, there, we'll get it done. We'll find a way. And uh, back when we were hunting hillside public land in Mississippi 15 years ago, we built mud motors to get into a spot. This is before, like, they had a smaller long tail. We built six horsepower mud motors. So I was like, we've got to get back there. You can't get back Here. there. By, yeah. We're getting back there. <laughs> uh, and the same thing can be said, you know, at this island, there's a lot of obstacles. And it's just like, hey, there's a way to do it. Sometimes you just got to think outside the box. Oh, and a will. I'm, I'm getting it done. Just give him Brooks' his cell phone number, and uh, <laughs> he can be the hotline yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I like that attitude. Though. That's I'm gonna tell you, you look, farm for wildlife is tough. I mean, grain keeping is tough. I mean, because you're and and the land is usually not good for anything else. You know, you're fighting floods, you're fighting pestilence, stuff you can't get tractors to. So, you know, 
Brooks, you're the you, I, you got the mindset to I, be the gamekeeper. I had no relentless. I had no idea how hard it was yeah, it's to hard. manage a piece of ground. And uh, hats off to those that have paved the way. Yeah. Uh, but I can remember sitting in a duck hole where you could hear people shooting on private land. Like, oh man, they, they got it made. Mm-hmm. These dudes got it made in the shade. I'd pull up in her own posh private blind, and no, it ain't a, it ain't easy. Yeah, that's for easy. sure. There's a and lot it's not of hard cheap. Work. Oh no. It's just something we don't talk about. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's how cheap it is. We just don't even talk about it. Especially around my wife. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what is it you say, Bobby? A gamekeeper's work is never done? That's right. That's, That's no right. doubt. So there's there's an endless amount of project. Our project list is – it's. I don't even know if you can call it a list at this point if it's something that long. I mean, it's like a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So we've got a lot of cool projects in mind. Uh, we're going to build some blinds here in the next week or so. And, uh, you know, we planted the coals for the first time this year. We've got about 20 acres of millet, 20 acres of corn, and uh, got our food plots planted in a biologic. It looks like cover of a Gamekeeper magazine. That's so. what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so. so when you are at the island, there's rarely any time where someone's sitting on the couch watching TV. Murray, Murray said, Murray said, I've never taken a nap on this island. <laughs> Somebody came last year. I think it was Raggio and Raggio took a nap. And Murray said, what the hell? That ain't there, ain't, there ain't no naps on this island. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to taking a nap and chilling out and drinking some whiskey on the porch for sure. But and yeah. One of these days you'll get to the bottom of your list and you're going to take a big long nap. No doubt. Yeah. You know, speaking of naps, last week our own Richie Davenport <laughs> took a nap during a podcast. The ode to the oak tree got him. Yeah. <laughs> really did, but he stayed awake today, so I think that's Must a testament exciting, to yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how exciting loss break is. So, <laughs> Well, look, what have we learned today? Oh, man, just learned. I, it reinforced a lot of things. You know, I've known Brooks a long time. I knew how dedicated, you know, and relentless he was. And, you know, watching him over the last few years, for one, find the place and then turn it into something that it is. Uh, I, I just liked – and he comes from, you know, the, the like back said, we all here started chasing, you know, stuff on public land to see him – you know, I guess transition for lack of a better my, term. My buddy Spencer calls it country club in it. There said, you go. He said, you in a country club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just real rewarding because, yeah. I mean, you can see how it's changed him as a person too, I believe. So. Yeah. Not that, he, not that he needed changing, but you know, it just affects you differently. Everybody matures. Yeah. Well, so, Mike, have you learned anything? I have. Well, we mind sharing it with us? You just asked for anything. Yeah, yeah. I have. I mean, really, my takeaway from this is 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 really seeing seeing something for what it what it could be, not for what it is, and and really having a vision and and kind of a get it done attitude. And I, th- I think that's my biggest takeaway from talking to Brooks today. Yeah, I think it gives people hope to the people that that want their own piece of property, people that may not be able to afford something that's already been developed, like Brooks was saying. So it kind of gives people hope and something to look for, say, you know, they can afford maybe a blank canvas type piece of land. And, you know, if you know what to look for and have a, a vision for what you want, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that can find their own piece of dirt and, you know. Become a gamekeeper. Yeah, Mossy Oak Properties will help you do that. You'll no look around, but it, no you know, doubt. and that it's not only about ducks, but the same can go for deer, or turkey, or you uh, know, yeah, yeah. to to hit on something real quick that you talked about earlier was, you know, I partnered with my buddy Harrison Gregory on this land, and 
when you partner with somebody, you got to be careful which partners you pick, but uh, it helps sometimes from a waterfowl standpoint. You need more ground to consistently kill ducks. Uh, when you're deer hunting, you might need 20 acres and kill a big deer every year. When you want to consistently duck hunt, you need bigger parcels of ground that you can effectively manage to be able to see, you know, see what you're getting out of it. And you made in multiple partners, you know, if there's a piece of ground, find guys that have the same passion as you, that have the same ethics and morals with you. And, you know, stuff can maybe out of reach individually, but, you know, you might get some buddies together and buy that piece of ground because it's going to take a bunch of people to develop it anyway. Yeah, so. that's good advice. What about you, Lanny? You, I, I, I've learned that you can stand up a long time. Look, I'm a pro standing up. I don't know if I'll sit down this week whatsoever. <laughs> I feel like there's a like a yoga instructor behind me. He's Sorry. over here stretching it out, and he hadn't stopped moving the whole time. Let me tell uh, you, anybody that doesn't know about back pain, yeah, w- once you experience it, I know we'll cut this out and post his hail. Well, this is this has been a lot of fun. It's been very interesting. Have you got something else? Yeah, I, I, I just I got a little something to say. Okay. You know, so. You mean just throw it in there now? Throw it out there. Well, I mean, Brooks, it sounds like y'all have left no stone unturned on this place, working on it just as hard as you can. Just the only thing I can see missing is where you Well, I keep keep thinking that well, surely we'll get one I mean, at some I'm point. I'm Brooks and Brooks the whole lives. On the record right now, y'all are invited. Boom, we're but, in there. But but here's the, here's the catch. This is what I tell everybody that I invite. When duck season starts... I'm worried about killing ducks. Yes. Period. End of story. And so I'm not going through my phone. Hey, who can I call this weekend? But if you call me during duck season and say, hey, man, what what about that invite? I'm ready to go. I'll tell you to load up that day. There it is. So um, We're going to wait till the ducks are here. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> January is the best time. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody sees a vehicle traveling north from West Point with a guy standing up in the back of the truck, they'll, they'll, they'll know it's Lanny <laughs> and, he's, and he's having back problems. I'll probably be able to sit in a duck blind by the time the ducks get here. Uh, well, this has been really good. And good I, I, I love the idea of that guys listening to us might get some inspiration to try to do something on their own. Yeah, to become mm-hmm. a gamekeeper. I mean, I think he's the perfect story for that. You know, it really is. Yeah, it did. Great story, and we appreciate you being here. Look, as a gift for traveling all the way over here and being between the turkeys <laughs> and the guest chair, it's been a long we, we've got a levy sling for you. Awesome. So let you awesome. pick out which one you want. In and, bottom uh, land? Yeah, and they're worth about like 40 or 50 bucks. And <laughs> Look out. It's a great deal. Appreciate y'all having me and uh, really, really like listening to what y'all are doing. Yeah, good. Well, you know, all those years that I went home at lunch and heard you blowing on the duck out, sounds like it's all paid off for you. Because I thought you needed to be just a little higher at times. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. Mac, have you got anything we need to add? You look good. Richie, what about you? All right, you're wide awake. Anybody else got anything? Yeah, I'll just say, uh, you know, after everything we talked about today, yeah, just one more thing. You know, they're they're still producing the Lost Break show. You can go watch it on Mossy Go, and they will have um, episodes coming out periodically throughout duck season. So if you want to kind of See what they're doing. Uh, see if they end up getting water. See if this pump works. All that kind of stuff. Uh, that'll all be in there. So that, yep. that's good. Check it out. And, so anyway, so leave us a review on the podcast if you enjoy it. We uh, we have a lot of fun doing this. And why don't you say goodbye, Neil? Goodbye, Neil. Get us out of here, <laughs> Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.